0: Welcome to the
2: MarTech Podcast. Today we're gonna discuss how design impacts your growth strategies. Joining us is Jonathan Grisbowski, who is the co-founder of Penji, a graphic design service that simplifies the creative process by offering unlimited and on-demand access to dependable and vetted designers that will deliver a project in under 48 hours. And today, Jonathan and I are gonna talk about how to outsource your design process. All right, here is the first part of my conversation with Jonathan Grisbowski, CMO of Penji. Jonathan, welcome to the MarTech Podcast.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
2: Excited to have you on the show. Excited to talk a little bit about design. First and foremost, tell us about Penji. You know, how long you've been at the company? What do you guys do?
1: Penji's been around for about four or five-ish years. Grew from literally zero people with absolutely no funding to somewhere around 200 plus people within the organization. Penji as a whole is an on-demand graphic design service that really challenges the way graphic design is being received. You have this traditional freelance model or even in-house model where people, you hire X, they receive Y. Penji is more or less like a Swiss army knife when it comes to graphic design. Under one membership with Penji, you could have a illustrator, a web designer, a social media artist, so on and so forth, and you're only paying $500 a month. We have a pretty easy-to-use tool and dashboard where you submit all of your projects, and it gets sent all across to the designers that are best suited for it, and then we deliver it back to you in under 48 hours.
2: So when you think about design, there's a couple different ways to staff out a team. You mentioned in-house, there's design agencies, I'd put Penji in the outsource workflow type process, and then there's tools and technology, throw Canva in there as well. Before you figure out which one of those mediums to go through, I think it's worth thinking about what the purpose of design is and how it really impacts your brand from a marketing and growth perspective. So, talk to me a little bit about what role design should play in a modern organization.
1: I think the bias answer that is most likely that you'd want to hear from me right now is that design is everything. But more often than not, it's really not.
2: Design is everything except, you know, Amazon.com. Not the prettiest website, but pretty effective.
1: Yeah, I would say to kind of the point that you, that you made is when to really think about when it's important for graphic design. And I think that there's a lot of people on this planet and in the world of business that are using services like the ones that you've mentioned and are wasting a ton of time in order to complete these deliverables. And they end up spending more time marketing themselves or more time making things pretty than they are actually working on their business and trying to get sales. And I think we as a whole and business people, we tend to give a lot of time to the things that are easy to do. And we refrain from actually doing the really hard stuff.
2: You did answer the question the way I wanted to. And I will also say that design is everything is bullshit <laughs> yeah. because design is not everything. Excuse me for being crass. There's design, there's your syndication strategies, there's how your product actually functions, what your product is, positioning, marketing, all sorts of things go into marketing and design is a very important component of it, but not everything. Yeah. The reason why you answered the question the way that I wanted you to is you made a distinction between user experience and graphic design. And I think that those are two very important things to think about. I worked at a startup called Handle. It was a productivity app, and they had lots of designers that were going through the process of creating this application that was meant to combine tasks and calendar events and email to make it easy to work off of one list. And there was one designer... And a whole bunch of user experience experts that were called designers, but a bunch of people were thinking about user experience. And then one person was really working on polish. Maybe it was two people that were working on polish. And so to me, when I think about design, design is incredibly important Mostly from the user experience, how your products actually function perspective, and less about the prettiness of the upfront stuff. We all get fascinated with making everything pixel perfect. And in reality, that level of polish is the cherry on top as opposed to the ice cream in the sundae. So talk to me about how you think about making a great product and great marketing when you're considering the user experience, not just, is this the most beautiful piece of art?
1: I'll answer this in the aspect of like how Penji can work. I think there's a huge need for a tactician, a UX, UI individual in order to make strategic decisions for any business that is listening. However, Penji isn't even suited to even do that. It's more or less to help the individual to come up with areas that they simply don't have the time to do or they don't feel like doing themselves. So in the aspect of like a button, let's create 10 different buttons and 10 different color schemes in order to find that one color that is 10% more likely to actually convert a customer into a sale versus them just moving on by. So I answer that in two ways, right? The second way would be data. And I'll relate this to the business because this is why we are in the position that we are in, in this exponential growth which every time that we make a decision, whether it's a UX, UI decision on a website, whether it's an experience decision within the dashboard of Penji, whatever it may be, we have to have a substantial amount of data to make sure that we are creating an informed or the most informed decision. The reason why I say that is if you're listening to this right now and you are making emotional decisions for your business then I probably would say, number one, you should probably consider shutting doors down immediately or find a new strategy in order to make more refined decisions. Because the minute that you're able to kind of plot the points and you're able to see, well, 70% of people don't go to the bottom of the website and 20% of the people click on the pricing page at the top of the website, that tells you a lot. And in addition to that, from the marketing standpoint, the branding aspect, the messaging aspect, Data is literally the most important aspect. So whether you're a CMO or a CEO or co-founder or even a UX, UI designer, if you don't have that type of information, you're going in blind.
2: We relaunched the martechpod.com website recently, and I think I should shut our doors because I made a lot of emotional decisions. We moved from Squarespace to WordPress, so we had the ability to be a little bit more designed and customize our site to be a little bit more feature-rich, a little more polished. But I didn't really look at data as we were designing the platform. I went to the agency that we went to and said, draw me something pretty, make it look like the UI that we have. We made some pretty judgment calls on how we wanted the site to look and feel, and we launched the thing. Is that the wrong process? And if it is, what should I have done?
1: I actually think in this particular situation, it is a sound decision.
2: You can tell me if it's wrong. It's cool.
1: (laughs) I think in that particular situation, you probably did the right thing because that was what you wanted to do. But I answered the question in more or less like for our business in particular, every small movement in our website or every small movement in a shift in business can inevitably lose the business. You know, that's how we think of it. The executives of the company think of it. If we make too many small wrong moves, it inevitably can crash a business. And we put that pressure on ourselves because it has allowed us to succeed thus far. The emotional decision in changing the website, I don't necessarily think is bad. But what I would say is that what is bad is if you design the website because it's pretty, just because you want it to be pretty and not functional. I don't know if the podcast website is like a driving force for actual sales, for us, our bread, our butter, our livelihood is our website. So that's why we have to be so protective of the data.
2: Time for a one-minute break to hear from our presenting sponsor, Mutinex. In 1919, John Wanamaker said, half the money I spend on advertising is wasted. I just don't know which half. Well, the advertising landscape has changed since then. And instead of reaching your audience on two channels, you're probably reaching them on 20. Ready to take your team from I think to I know? Then join brands like Samsung, ING, and Asahi who make better marketing decisions with Mutinex. Mutinex Growth OX, your best decision starts here. To learn more about Mutinex, go to That's mutinex.co. That's mutine dot co. Okay, here's the rest of today's interview. Practically speaking, the website has always been supplemental to our podcast. People go to our website to get more information about the podcast that they're exposed to. It also serves a little bit as a marketing vehicle. You know, the guests that are on our podcast might direct a link back to that page. The reason why we migrated to the new website was a couple different reasons. One, we wanted to create more pages faster. Instead of having one page per interview, we moved to one page per episode. So we each interview, we get a couple different episodes, and now we have three to five times the number of podcast pages, which is better for organic growth. But two, it unlocks things like the next iteration of our podcast, which is now we can create communities and courses, and we could also do more data plays like uh, building a database of MarTech companies and MarTech experts. So we're just trying to be a little bit more relevant as a resource for the entire MarTech community as opposed to just a place where people can listen to great audio. Now, the problem is we don't have any data on what we should migrate to. So when you're actually going through this migration, what's the step you should use? And honestly, how would you resource a project like this?
1: I'll answer this to how we were able to do it in the very beginning when we had absolutely nothing to go off of. And for us in particular, we actually ended up talking to our customers and calling them on the phone and asking them very basic questions in order to make a sound decision. And once we were able to go off of that initial data, inevitably when we interviewed the customers, we asked them for keywords. We set the customer up in a way where we wanted to hear the reason why they came to Penji and why they purchased Penji to begin with. And as a whole, what we received were hundreds of, I bought Penji because of XYZ. And we use that within our own marketing, and we use that within our header, we use that within our advertising. Eventually over time, we got to a point where we were using websites that basically tracked how long people are staying, which I always recommend. But in the beginning, I would just overall say, plot as many data points as you possibly can, even if they're wrong, throw as much as you possibly can on a wall, hopefully you'll have one thing stick. Once that one thing sticks, you just keep going after that one thing over and over again until you find another data point. For us in particular, now that we've been in business for about four or five years, we have too many data points to even go off of. And so it's really just trying to figure out what is the right data point that makes the right decision. And more often than not, we're wrong on our data. But because we collected the data to begin with, we know why the data was wrong.
2: What I'm hearing is even though your website doesn't exist, that doesn't mean you don't have data. And to me, Jonathan, that makes you a good marketer because your instinct was, let me go talk to the people that I'm building the website for. Let me go find some customers or some prospects and ask them about what they think, what they're looking for, why they're making the decision and factor some more empirical data, some more qualitative data, because I don't have quantitative data. I can't look at hot jar and optimizely and all the other conversion rate optimization tools that i might be using to figure out what's happening with the website i gotta just go ask the customers what they want you gotta roll the ball onto the court to use a basketball metaphor before you can figure out which way to go i think that's a smart tactic which is talk to your customers get empirical get qualitative data factor that into the design probably something we should have done more on the martechpod.com website. But then eventually you get to the point where you have data, you're able to look at some metrics, and then there's the process of iterating. So when you're going through the process of initial design as opposed to the iteration on a project like a website, when should you be working with in-house designers, agencies, and when should you be outsourcing?
1: In the aspect of a website, I think it could be really tricky I personally believe that you need to have somebody in-house to at least project manage it, whether that be an actual designer or an individual that understands the world of graphic design. I would probably say that, and this goes for any business, whether it's a website design business or whether it's just like a marker that's listening right now, I would say do as much heavy lifting as you possibly can until you can't. Once you can't, then outsource. And also understand your strengths and weaknesses. I think more often than not, there are business owners, that there are people out there, marketers in particular, that want to do as much as they possibly can. I'd say a lot of marketers, entrepreneurs, influencers in general believe that they could do it all. And we tack on more than what we could probably chew just because of that. I'd be one of those individuals to a certain degree.
2: For what it's worth, I'm the only person working at my company. Yes, I fall into that bucket as well.
1: Yeah. (laughs) What I've gotten really good at over the past couple of years in this journey of entrepreneurship and building a business is staying true to what I'm good at. I am not a graphic designer, believe it or not, and I don't try to be, but I'm a really good project manager and I can hold people accountable and I can get things done that most people can't. So I focus specifically on that. And I end up outsourcing the abilities. And I can also look at data and I can make sound decisions. So I know my strengths, I know my weaknesses, and I outsource that. If you are a graphic designer, being able to do more graphic design than I can, then what I would probably say is construct the actual website to your specifications of what you believe necessary. Give it to a designer in order for them to kind of hash at it. And then lastly, I would say build dedicated and custom elements within your website that nobody else can have. If you're doing like a hard code, or even if you're not doing a template-based website, the most important thing that you can do is literally an icon that nobody else has. That level of customization is going to go a long way. I think a very simple graphic that is on your website that is 100% custom can also go a long way to make sure that your website is unique. Those are very small elements, but I think any level of customization, and more often than not, a web designer is not an illustrator. And an illustrator is not a web designer.
2: So hang on, walk me through the difference between a web designer and illustrator. It seems like those are pretty important distinctions.
1: A web designer is, is what you inevitably would think that it would be, which is somebody who can create a web design. They can create a flow. They understand the large vision of what a web design could be. An illustrator, think of it as somebody who can hand draw something. You probably don't want somebody to hand draw a website for you because it'd probably come out like trash. But what they can do is they could probably add squigglies. They can add elements of movement. They can turn you into a cartoon if you so choose. That specific individual can also create custom icons to express an action or whatever it may be. Those particular elements, from my perspective, my personal perspective, I think adds a level of customization and class that something cookie-cutter and out-of-the-box can't do.
2: All right. So there's the distinction between illustrators and designers. One's the person that draws the actual graphics and the other person is building the website or at least figuring out and putting the entire design together. Essentially, I think of it kind of like an artist that's going to create the mural and then the builder who's going to build the house.
1: 100%. Yeah.
2: So great. Help me with the most important distinction. Do you need those people in-house or can you outsource them? How do you figure out what to bring in-house and what to let a third party take care of?
1: Yeah, I think communication is probably one of the most important aspects of that. Do you communicate better with somebody in-house that's right next to you? Or do you mind outsourcing and talking to somebody maybe via internet or via Zoom or whatever it may be? It depends on your workflow. I think a very select people want to outsource. However, they are not structurally sound within their business to actually entertain that. If you are the type of person that is organized, if you are the type of person that has a very strict to-do list, then I would say you are a perfect candidate to outsource any type of business necessities that are within your company. If you are the type of person and the person is listening right now knows exactly who I'm talking to, because you're probably agreeing with this particular situation. But if you're unorganized, if you don't have your stuff together, if you're the type of person that has a hundred things on their desktop, if you have like two hundred things on your to-do list, you probably won't survive at outsourcing, and therefore you should probably spend more money in order to bring somebody in-house. Money is going to be a huge factor, so if you have it, so be it, spend it. But if you're tight on cash, and this is kind of where Penji comes into play, if you don't have the sixty thousand dollars a year to spend on a graphic designer, there's options like our business. There's options like other freelance services that would be a great fit for you, but. More often than not, a lot of people aren't able to get the most out of a freelance designer simply because they're unable to communicate or they're just unorganized.
2: At the end of the day, design is an incredibly important part of marketing, not only from the front end sort of artistry perspective, the level of polish on your website, your digital assets, but also on your user experience, understanding how to get someone from point A to point B. Each graphic, each element has a purpose, or at least should have a purpose to help guide your customers to understand more about who you are and what your products and services do. So finding the right resources, whether it's someone in-house or if you have those capabilities is obviously important. But if you don't have the resources to do it yourself, there are services like Penji that can help you expedite and increase the amount of bandwidth you have to increase and improve your designs. That's why outsourcing design is an increasingly more viable option for great marketers. And that wraps up this episode of the MarTech Podcast. Thanks for listening to my conversation with Jonathan Grisbowski, CMO of Penji. In the second part of this interview, which we'll publish tomorrow, Jonathan and I are going to get weird. We're going to talk about Inc. 5000's weirdest growth strategies. If you can't wait until our next episode and you'd like to learn more about Jonathan, you can find a link to his LinkedIn profile in our show notes. You can contact him on Twitter. His handle is J. that is G-R-Z-Y-B-O-W-S-K-I-J. Or you could visit his company's website, which is penji.co, p-e-n-j-i.co.